You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, and we are here with a special guest today. This is Mr. Dan Behan joining us for a quick pulse of the fan base. What's going on, Dan? <laughs> Nothing much. I, I wish I was here on a better circumstances, but thanks for having me on. One and three in the first quarter of the season. Uh, let's 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 get the misery over with, boys. How's it going? Um. I mean, it's going terribly. Uh, we're, we're, this this is kind of a new thing that we're gonna that we were gonna do. I was hoping that we were gonna do this after a win, uh, for your sake, because this is gonna be the toughest one. But at, at four points throughout the year, after each quarter of the year, we were gonna kind of get the pulse of the fan base from different people that we know on Twitter that aren't usually on the show. Don't think it's a great idea to just hear me and Cranky every single uh, opinion there is on the Giants. <laughs> Uh, and you have the you have the toughest one because you had the the weird schedule with the Thursday game right in the beginning of the year. You had all the injuries starting with like the first drive of the game uh, of the season. So you've got the toughest job of judging. But this is all about how you feel, how everything seems to you at this point in the year. So it's going to be taken in that context. We're going to kind of do this at like three levels with the front office, the coaching, the players. Where do you want to start? Let's start off with the coaching. Um, after last year's smart, tough, dependable, uh, we're going to out-coach everyone and we're going to make the the right adjustments every every week. Um, obviously, as we saw last year, we needed every second half to win those one-score games. As a typical fan, we all know that wasn't realistic as this season. So... Unfortunately, we obviously haven't gotten that even close to being in one-score games other than the Arizona game. Um, what is the difference from this year that everybody, like, I, we were talking to everybody, and it's like, what what's with the vibes? Like, just everything, something seems off from this year to last year, where every move that Dave's has made this year so far has been one of those, like, Oh man, like it's just not working out for us for whatever reason. So, what 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 do you guys think of like the buttons that Kafka, Wink, and Dave's have been pushing so far the first four weeks? Just be obviously alarming that stuff that didn't stuff that worked last year isn't working so far this year. To me, the the biggest thing has been an offense specifically. Mm-hmm. Everything seems reactive. Right. You know, we are that. we are reacting because the offensive line is the mess that it is. We are not trying to impose anything of our own will. We are right. reacting to, you know, the defense is doing this. Well, we're going to try to react to that and be, you know, just very defensive and very. I don't want to we don't want to put ourselves in the position to really make things bad. Right. And that does not. That works if you are a scrub directional college going up to play Alabama and you don't want to lose a thousand to nothing. That's, that does not work in the modern NFL. That, that's really a good way of putting it because that's exactly what we're looking like. We're looking at like uh, 
a non-power five team going, like you said, we're going up to Alabama and we know we're going to get smoked 35 to oh, 65 to three. <laughs> and, and it's just like, okay, well our first drive, we're going to get, but try to put points on the board and we don't find a way to put points on the board. And then it completely snowballs. And then we're behind the eight ball from here on out. But yeah, yeah. safe, safe things that are not going to cause, you know, play to the sticks, you know, don't try to, don't try to stretch this defense because we were the fear we don't have any time to throw, whether on a particular play or not. Maybe there actually was some coverage on that play, but we'll never know. It's just a baked-in fear, and I think there's too much of a fear of what can happen with this offensive line. And you can't coach scared. We're just coaching scared. Yeah, no, it, it definitely feels that way because, like, like I, I, I can't, I can't dis- like, I can't really describe it. It's because there's just so many different things that are going wrong right now that like I mentioned on my show uh, the other night is you could pick three or four different things and you, the three of us could say one thing I could say another and uh, Grum could say the other and all three of us are right. That is the point of how awful our offense is at the moment. So whether you want to point to the offensive line, you have the right to, cause you, you saw it 11 sacks um, Daniel Jones making the first read. Uh, not re- He's only making the first read or getting shell-shocked because of getting hit so many times. And then you could also, the, the game planning of, all right, we're just playing scared and we know that we're only playing to the chains and we can't make an explosive play because we don't have the time or talent which we obviously we went out and got this offseason thinking that we were going to be a little bit more explosive and obviously that hasn't been the case since we haven't scored a touchdown in the first half one of the points we talked about last week was um in the air after the arizona game i was like forget the number of targets that jalen hyatt had how many snaps did he have and grump was very quick to say what's the point there's no time right why even bother even having the look and that's that's part of it. It's like you have to at least put the the appearance out there that you you know even just having them line up. Oh, you may have to account for them. You know, it's a little better. You know, in 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 the game against um, you know uh, Seattle last night to have them on the field a little more, but still. Yeah, I really I don't have the okay. stats up in my head. I only remember seeing him making one catch last night. Right. That's all I had him for. Um, I yeah. For for what's really been different in my opinion, um from last year to this year and what's changed you know you correctly point out that uh winning by one score in games from week to week is not a viable success story and it's just like some weeks the ball bounces your way some weeks it doesn't it's just not gonna you can't count on that um Rob. but i do think that there was a failure to adjust to what they did last year. I think mm-hmm. that teams look back and saw what embarrassed them over the offseason, and a game that they can point to is a game where they lost to the Giants. Why was that? Because all of those games were one-score games. So those, when you look back at them, it's like, why did we lose this winnable game? So I honestly think that when you go back and look at that, you can probably pinpoint five plays the Giants had go their way that you have to adjust to, and that is like, when we play the Giants again, this is how we will have to handle this. And not only that, you have a whole offseason where you've got 
teams just looking around the league at up-and-coming threats. And on paper, the Giants were an up-and-coming threat. I don't think that there was a, a true adjustment schematically from what worked last year versus what what they're trying to do this year. It, it seems to me that they've just upgraded the personnel and expected all the same tricks to work yeah, the same right. way. Does that make sense? No, it definitely makes sense because you, you're expecting, all right, we got uh, Campbell and we have a couple other pieces that we're just, okay, well, now we could actually open it up the offense when they obviously, have, obviously haven't and, like, uh, Cranky, well, Cranky said was just like, yeah, just like they're playing scared, and it's just like, all right, well, that's not gonna win us ball games because us having eleven days, the Giants having eleven days between the Niners' lost and Monday's loss to the Seahawks, where I thought if we had any sort of a solid game plan and solid execution by the the minimalist of execution we should have won the game last night and obviously it went the complete opposite direction where the seahawks were just giving us the game and it's just like please the amount of penalties they were having on their own offensive issues and their injuries and they found a way to overcome it and we just looked like idiots on the field and just looked unexpired and just took a beating so there's there was one thing that i think dable said it might have been Kafka when they when they first took over was we talked to Daniel Jones and we tried to set up an offense around what he does best. Right. And the things that Daniel Jones really does best is using his legs and the threat of his legs. You know, things like the zone read, which we think we could be pretty successful running, we hardly ever see. Things where you know it may not be Jalen Hurts and the way they run their offense, you know, in a true dual threat capacity, but he has a skill set that is pretty unique in this league. And I don't feel that this is an offense that's based around what he does best. Mm-hmm. You see around the league like Lamar Jackson, they built an offense around him. He's a unique quarterback with a unique skill set and a unique mix of what he does, and they built that offense to do what he does. I would have thought by this point, you know, the use of his legs, the, you know, the accuracy of the deep ball, things like that, that we could tailor more to what he is. And it just feels like starting to feel more like the we have a round peg and now a square hole all, all of a sudden. So I, one thing I will say is that it may be a little bit difficult to make that. It may be a little bit difficult to make that statement now because Saquon Barkley has been absent. That's true. Um, And I think that it's a fair criticism to say that Daniel Jones' legs are not their maximum threat when you have Matt Breda back there. And that's fair. You know, on on the the recap of the Seahawks episode, we kind of said that they didn't even call a zone read till the third quarter. And that is what it is. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can't call the same amount of zone reads with Matt Breda as you can with Saquon Buckley. You now have to dial that back. There's a drop off there. But what you can say is to to your point of this doesn't feel like an offense that's tailored around what Daniel Jones does best anymore is the availability of Saquon Barkley this year has been in question since the very beginning. There was no certainty that he was going to be here under contract for starters. And number two, even if you got him, 
you have to always worry about his dependability because he is not often available. And that just is what it is. That's what you take with him. So they never made an adjustment at any point to even have a backup plan for that. So 100%. I, I, I think that that's a failure both at the coaching level and I would say at the front office level of, mm-hmm. of on protecting Daniel Jones. I mean, I understand prioritizing getting weapons that were clearly lacking over getting depth pieces on the offensive line. I I can understand that rationale, and if you do have to choose between one or two, I think it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of another. Uh, But the the one thing is depending on, like, well, oh, if the offensive line sustains injuries, then we'll be covered. Yeah, of course, the coin flipped that way this time. It may not have, and that might have been the stupid decision at another point, you know what I mean? In just an alternate bizarro universe. So like, like looking back on it, like obviously I'm agreeing with the, obviously the depth pieces with the offensive line. We, we needed that, but the amount of investment we've put into the offensive line, whether it was Andrew Thomas or Evan Neal and then uh, JMS and a few other pieces, it was just like, all right, we, we, we put enough into the offensive line that, at some point we needed to gel and obviously with Andrew Thomas being hurt and then the rest of the line, not gelling, it looks a hundred times worse because it looks like we completely neglected it when we actually in theory did the opposite. You know, our, our biggest concern Grump and I, when we did our season preview show, we had Mm -hmm. two main concerns. One, you know, was, you know, the inexperience at cornerback. And we were kind of like, okay, we're going to live through that. That's fine. But the second thing was the depth along the offensive line, especially the depth at the tackle position. That, you know, if you look at our starting five, it's like, okay, we have the we have the foundation of, you know, we have an all-pro left tackle. We have a right tackle that was a high draft pick that struggled last year to be generous. And we thought there'd be a bounce back and you know, a second year progression. And we have a center that fell into our lap that we we were talking about in the first round. And, you know. Guards will kind of will still figure out, but we were worried. One person goes down, two people go down. We'd be in exactly the situation we're in right now. So, this was the big fear, and the the big fear has because we have one tackle not playing, and the second tackle seems at times like he's not playing either. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, what is this? His fourth, uh, third year? No, fourth year. So. He's already missed a couple games almost every season. Did he miss any last year? I don't remember. I think he missed one. Missed one? Yeah. So, unfortunately, he has missed a few games each of his first four years. Um, hopefully, in the second ha- uh, the second quarter of the season, he comes back. And, like, it's really insane. It's really insane that it took the fir- basically the first play – well, the first turning point of the first game of the year – on that block field goal to completely turn the season over on its head and us losing our all pro tackle because he's running, chasing a down a block field goal for a touchdown. Like it just, it's just, that's just the, the, that's the giants. That is so giants. And it was just like, here we go. This was like, this is how this game's going to start and it's going to fall on the top of our head. And like our season is going to snowball now because of it. And I'm just, yeah. can, I, can I just jump in? So Jump away. It's your the, show. One of the reasons is, is like a final thing with a coaching 
uh, on the coaching level. Uh, one of the reasons why I say the the, the failure to adjust mm-hmm. being like the number one issue there, I think also has some level maybe of arrogance in like this is going to work. This is what's going to happen. The two games they got smoked on were the two games they had the most time to prepare. They had all offseason to deal with Dallas being their number one. They had since May or whatever. They knew that was going to be the first game on the map. And you have a general idea of what their 53-man roster is going to be. You had plenty of time and two previous matchups with that team to get ready for that game. And you got absolutely demolished 40-0. What I thought was the worst game I attended in recent memory until last night... When they had 11 days to prepare, and they still look reactive. When you look at the Arizona game, which is the third most amount of time they had to prepare for a game thus far, they didn't adjust until halftime. It was only the 49er game that they actually looked competitive for, I would say, given the talent disparity that they have, Mm -hmm. 50 minutes of 60 minutes in that game, I would say... Given the talent yeah. disparity, that was the only game that they looked like that they came with like an objective that was going to potentially work. Right. And had it not been for bad tackling, I could even say for 60 minutes that they looked like they knew what they were doing. And remember also to your point about, you know, Seattle is, is the uh, the second longest. You said, you know, we'd faced Dallas twice a year before. We had faced Seattle last year also. So, right. you know... We are familiar with that coaching staff, with you know the majority of that roster, and and you they're know? familiar with us. That's what I mean. Like we came yeah. into that game with a pre non-adjusted game plan of hitting the quick stuff. This is what we have to do when we have a bad online. Forget that. You have to figure something else out. You have to at least think one chess move ahead of if they're going to start crashing down, we need to start running these same plays with double double moves off of them. Something to force them to play off of their you know, the balls of their feet and play on the heels of their feet. And that, that adjustment was something I could have told you in March, but no. that adjustment wasn't made. I don't know. And it, and it feels weird because the whole vibes of the offseason, um, I didn't go to camp, but I know you guys went to a couple camps. Our good friends, Justin and Bobby at Talking Giants, went to every single camp. And we have other friends in the media that were at camps. And I guess it's just our defense, our offense making our defense look bad and us being up-tempoed and, like, looking like we're, like, a unstoppable offense, I guess, throughout camp. And then once the season started, we actually had that one drive on in the preseason. We're like, oh, we might have something different. And then opening night happens, and it's the complete opposite for everything. So it's just funny how the expectations and the vibes of everything just quickly switched at the, at a drop of a hat because it was just like, all right, we might have something we've been told about it all off season. And then it, it hit like we got our pants pulled down from us. And it was just like, you know, it's actually the opposite. And uh, Nelson's laughing at us from the Simpsons. So it's, it's just <laughs> really just one of those, like, yeah, we're, 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 we're in there right now. So, so hit me with it from the player angle. Where do the well, players fall at blame, or where where are they in this discussion? I mean, it's just as simple as the execution of just not keeping their heads in the game or making the dumb mistakes that they didn't make last year or or 
being scared to make a play because of X, Y, and Z is not in their favor type of thing. Like I, that's really what, what I feel right now for the first four weeks is just like we mentioned with the coaching, it's just completely re- reactionary instead of taking the bull by the horns and just attacking the situation. You know, sometimes they say the best, uh, best defense is an offense. So, and obviously we haven't seen that yet. So, um, offensively, uh, it's just the deer in the headlight look from Jones and the wide receivers. And then hopefully whenever Saquon comes back, we find that extra mojo, um, that we've missed the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know about that. And then defensively, I think, um, with the, the two rookie corners, they've been playing more back. Uh, I, I think they've been playing fine for all things considered, but uh, obviously the press rush has been our bugaboo since basically most of our team, the payday of our Giants defense of winning the Super Bowls with uh, Tuck and OC and JPP and obviously Strayan in the 07 team. Um, we've been dying to have those people again. Um, so it's just obviously the pass rushes on defense. Other than we, we had uh, Tibbs busting out last night. He was one of the few bright spots of uh, Monday night. So hopefully that's more to come because Aziz is on the field, actually healthy and making an effort of being on the field. Cause he is obviously a game changer and they have to respect him and Tibbs at the same time. And we've seen it. When they're both on the field together, they are very, very fun to watch, and they get the, they get to the QB. So, um, I think the pass rush on defense, and then us being reactionary, like I've been, we've been saying pretty much the whole podcast, on offense. So, uh, what, what do you guys think? I think that the weapons we have on offense is really only one person that keeps a defensive coordinator up at night at, and that's Saquon Barkley. And he hasn't played for, you know, half the season so far. Um, Waller also, I guess, to a, a, a lesser extent, but it's, there's nobody on this offense that scares you. I mean, we, I mean, Jalen Hyatt, okay, he's just going to run, but, you know, we saw, we, we saw it in person at camp. We saw the potential he has with the speed and everything, but I don't think he's not, being utilized enough for whatever reason or, you know, things that are out of his control or, or what that I just don't feel like the individual talent we have on this team is there's nothing elite about it that really can make differences on their own. Like this is a very system driven yeah. offense at this point. You're and right. if you're, a, and if you're a system driven offense, everything has to work. The offensive line has to work. The quarterback has to make the right decisions. You have to, run the right routes. You have to, you know, you can't round off routes. You have to be where you need to be. You have to block downfield. You have to minimize your, your penalties. All these different things have to happen as opposed to having, you know, a CC land or somebody who's just like this guy at any moment can be a touchdown right now. And again, without having Saquon Barkley, who's the closest thing we have to, and he is a guy like that. Let's let's be honest. I'm not going to, I don't want to short change the guy, but we have a lot of twos and really threes as receivers. We don't have a one. And no. that doesn't, yeah. doesn't scare anybody. And, it's, and so, I think we could segue to the front office. Um, that's that, where I'm going more, yeah. That Where 
we all we got 30 slot wide receivers and we're like all right we get the point that we're going to be a quick hitting offense a little west coasty and we're going to get the swing passes and we're going to be 2023-esque and opening it up in that regard more when it obviously at this moment it doesn't look like we are succeeding at what our goal, original goal was at that point of time so so here, here's where I land with this, and I, I think that there's a, there is a middle ground here between okay. front office and player. I think that this is actually a perfect conversation for that, that bridge. And this has been a conversation for a couple of weeks I've seen around, and it was specifically targeting the defense usually in this conversation, but I think it can be spoken on all three levels, is that there is no like dog mentality. There's no alpha guy. There isn't. Right. There truly isn't. And the closest thing I think that we can say is Saquon Barkley, like you said, is one of those guys that keeps somebody up at night. I would say Dexter Lawrence, to some extent, you can say Dexter Lawrence is there. But as a defensive tackle, you can game plan around something like that. And I can, right. I think you can almost – or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You, or Aaron Donald, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can make a leap for a third guy as being maybe, maybe Xavier McKinney. Nobody – not one of the people I mentioned has that energy to them, though. There is nobody that says, like, there is no Ed Reed, Sean Taylor on this defense. No, there man, is there, not. There is. there is no, whether position or otherwise, there is no Randy Moss on this team. Perfect. Terrell Owens. There is nothing, there is nothing that screams that level of talent or that, that just that mentality. And that's okay. Like... It's not okay. You're not going to function. You're not going to win games like that. But what I mean is that's not entirely on the front office that they haven't acquired that. I mean, like, Kayvon can, should, maybe, you can project, should be that guy. The fact that he hasn't become that guy, it ultimately falls on the guy to be the guy. The front office didn't nail that one. It's not like they got a bad player, but he is not that guy. We haven't seen it yet. And on offense... They prioritized defense in this draft. They didn't have a ton of money to work with. When it comes to the slot receivers argument with the outside receivers, I get what people are saying. I actually I, I take the different viewpoint with that. I actually view that as responsible uh, GMing. I think right. that like like when you think about the amount of slot players, yeah, okay, they got they gathered a bunch. But, but they didn't yeah. they didn't pay all of them. Everybody was a really, really small right. contract. You have Wandell Robinson coming off of injury. You have Sterling Shepard coming off of injury. Two guys that you're hoping are gonna contribute in at least major or at least counting on contributing in major ways. Right. And now you went out and you got your insurance with like a Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley. Those are guys that can play right away if those dudes are not ready to come off of the PUP list yet, or if they just get hurt again. You have right. these other cheap replacements that know the offense and can go in there. But it right. can be said that they prioritized getting that depth over getting somebody to back up Jalen Hyatt or to supplement Jalen Hyatt. So I, I I think that there is a mutual failure there in players failing to elevate and GMs not able to address every single thing. Um well, we, we'll give them a pass because we have right. said for two years now, and, and especially this year, it's like we're looking at the playoffs, but the rebuild is not complete. And you can't address everything in one or two drafts. And 
you know, a free agent market where we don't have the money to spend for an elite guy too. So I'm not going to, I don't want to say for the free, the uh, front office, you guys have failed in this. It's right. Just, no, no, no. All front it's office just, discussions at this point are graded on a curve. Like right. just, I'm with you on that. yeah. Um, the, the one thing you can say though, is the Mark Lewinsky free agent signing was a slam dunk. 100% whiff. Right. That was a failure. Right. And that's going to happen. I mean, everybody right. has home runs and everybody has failures. And, you know, you might give up on somebody who becomes a star somewhere else. That's that's the norm. That's going to happen. It's just how many of those whiffs do you have? And, it, you know, are you, how much money do you have? This is dead captain wasted on guys that are just not performing. And I don't think the percentage of money that we have on this roster that's gluinskied, I'll use that <laughs> term for it, it's not terribly high. Right. 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 It was what our price point was at that off season. And he was the best available at that price point. We were shopping at uh, Kmart instead of like Macy's in that off season. And it was like, all right, we, we know he's mad at best, but he's better than what we have at right this moment. So we have to live with that kind of thing. So I guess you, you brace yourself for the, you, you hope for the best and expect the worst type of situation when it comes down to uh, what yeah. those bargain basement uh, free agent pickups are. And you put it in perspective, we just spent you know a good 10 minutes on our, our recap show of the last game talking about Eric Gray. Right. And what a waste yeah. he is. You, know. you guys love him. Yeah. We love him. Uh, I'm, getting <laughs> his jersey. I'm getting his jersey tomorrow. Um, but again, what was the real cost? It was a low round pick, and what is the imp- impact on the cap? Negligible. So it's kind of, okay, we whiffed on it, but it's not going to set the the the, uh, the franchise back two years waiting for his dead cap money to go away or you know other things. So get the, a good stuff in perspective. The whiff on the pick is acceptable. even And like it's early to say that. He can still develop. I mean, it's been like four games. But Right. The, the, even if it is a whiff on the pick, that's acceptable. It, but if the general manager had anything to do with deciding that he needs to be on the roster and not try and slide him through the practice squad, that's their fault. And yeah. and the failure to address a starter as a punt returner, because they did not address that. Right. They didn't even try. And they didn't address a backup plan. So now you have shoehorned this roster decision into a very important position and your backup plan is still fucking a dory jackson that can't happen that is a failure on on three different levels eric gray for not being able to catch punts coaches for not being able to i i don't know coach him into catching it or and and front office coaching is a joint venture for not addressing it at the starter position or even a backup plan they put themselves back into the worst coaching decision that they made last year and that was the weird thing. What's the point of having Sterling Shepard on the roster when we know he has short hands of actually punt returning? Of like, all right, we don't need to make He's, a big return. Like, what's the point of him being on the roster if you can't even put him on punt return when we know he's going to catch the ball, he's going to stay on his feet, and you're going to get the ball 10 out of 10 times, and you're going to get many, the ball wherever it is. But How many yeah, snaps did he have yesterday? At least, I remember one. I really remember Ooh, one. That's good. That seems that worth catch. it. I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know if you guys were still <laughs> in the I, game. I might have been in the train at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was garbage time. It was a uh, third in like something, and it was like a quick dump off, and let's let's get off the field. 
Um, we're right up on 30 minutes. So you got any parting words on how you feel right now? I, I mean, it's it's still early. You got the first end of the stick. So in my opinion, you have the hardest, what I think yeah, is going man. to be the uh, hardest one to do. So there's plenty of time left. Where are you feeling right now? Just give me a closing thought. Can I, can I, can I curse? Are you kidding? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> there no, you go. I'm All right. Good. Sure. I, I, I feel like complete shit right now, man. Um, these four weeks have felt like an eternity because it's just like, like there's no adjustment to getting our asses kicked weekly, um, other than a fluky comeback and grump. I mean, you made a great tweet that people were livid about, but I saw you, uh, rebuttaling that last night. Uh, good for you. Um, but it's just like. Oh, man, it's just like it's just been a, like watching a car crash every week, and it's just like going to the dentist for three hours, and it's just like, all right, guys, we're we're gonna have to figure something out. We're what this is like watching Joe Judge again. This is watching McAdoo 2017 all over again, and then Shermer all over again. Um, I'm not giving it up on the season, but I, my expectations have t- taken a drastic hit because knowing where the second quarter of the season starts off with, we're going to be in a one and five start potentially. Obviously if we pull out one of the wins against either Miami or Buffalo, it's obviously a huge ego boost because let's face it. No one's expecting us to go into either game and putting up a fight, let alone winning or covering. So yeah, I feel like complete dog shit. I'll be completely honest with you right now. The, the only saving grace I have for the rest of this season is that Andrew Thomas will come back. Right. Saqu- Saquon Barkley will come back. Um, you know, the offensive line will get healthier. And again, we're not, we weren't dancing around that this was the seven blocks of Grant to begin with, but right. at least we'll be healthier. So, you know, and I, it's, it's not an excuse when it's a fact that this team is not healthy right now and you're going to suffer from it. So I have to kind of parse in my brain what the rest of the season means. If I'm thinking about the playoffs, in my mind, it's over. It's not happening because even if we are healthy, Seattle would be one of those teams we'd have to worry about to be a wild card. We've already lost the tiebreaker and we just saw what happened. We matched up against them. It was not pretty. So I just want to, I just want this team, you know, I don't want it just to all of a sudden the bottom fell out and this locker room falls into chaos, defense blaming the offense, and we have a mutiny on our hands and things really out of control. I don't see see that happening yet, but if it gets as bad as it could potentially get, then we have, we have bigger problems and... we have our we have a real potential to get our asses kicked in the next two weeks. I, I so. would say that we're we're flirting with being dangerously close to that. We we are already eh. at the point of multiple games of out of control personal foul penalties. Like we're already at that point where we have two games in a row where we're out of control. Yeah. And you know if you add in two ass whoopings following the ass whooping that just happened, you and you already have players openly mocking the team. On social media, oh, players from opposing teams. That was the other thing, and we have players on the field mocking us. Yeah, it's, it's like this is this is embarrassing. Yes, what we're getting on social media was like, I, who is it from the 49ers was actually calling out Daniel Jones. Like, did, did anybody on the Giants do anything about that? 
Did anybody come to his defense? I have no and idea. And say, hey, hey, fuck you. I mean, those are things I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. Like, how long is the the uh, the bond of this team going to stick? Because it's, you know, if we get blown out in these next two games, that's four and a half games of getting blown out. The cracks. Oh, I'm sorry, five and a half games of getting blown out. The cracks are starting to crackle a little bit in the foundation. So, let, one final question for you then is, you talked about this year. Are you have any concerns at all about the long-term trajectory of, you know, what the New York Giants are, this coaching staff, this front office, the culture that's being built, or do you think this is just a perfect storm of injuries, schedule, all of this right now, and it's just kind of a um, flip? I'm praying that it's the latter. <laughs> um, I'm really, I'm praying it's the latter, but... Um... The way we are claiming the last throughout the offseason and last year being tough, smart, tough, and dependable, and when we're not seeing that throughout the first quarter of the season, is very alarming because at nauseum they they say it. At nauseum, you see if you go to the locker room, we're all season ticket holders, so we've gone to events of being able to go to the locker room, being like lucky enough. It's literally everywhere. So mm -hmm. is the message not being told, which I find very odd because Dave actually seems like that type of coach that, all right, I'm a player's coach, but I'm going to rip you if I need to. And something is not clicking at the start of the season. And like we always say, uh, winning cares all. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss. I like. I, I wish I could give you a better answer because it's just beyond crazy and weird at the start of the season. Because, all right, we expected to be one and two going into Monday night, and that we were gonna face a team that's in similar weight class as us with the Seahawks. Let's really see what was going to happen. So. I'm at, I'm at a loss of words. I'm 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 gonna be completely honest with you because I thought we still had long ways to go for a team to actually make the playoffs again. I thought they were at best a 500 team either way, under 500 or just at 500. So I'm I'm like skeptical like you guys. So thankfully I wasn't. Oh, we're gonna win 10 games. I'm gonna win 11 games type of mood, which I didn't see because we are we aren't that team yet. We are far from a perfect team, so um, it's just like, like unfortunately, our warts are being showed, and it's it's out for the public to see. And we're always on prime time. It seems like we have a couple more prime time games before Halloween. Well, one more before Halloween, and it's just like, oh, this is bad. Like we're we're our last year's uh, Denver Broncos, where they were on prime time every night, and it was like, all right. This is just a bad watch. So, uh, I don't know. They they got to figure it out. That's why they got paid the big money. That's why they they lift all those weights, like Parcells said it in '86, with all the or whatever he said it in his heyday. They they got to find a way to show up and have some pride and just go out and make us proud, type of thing. All we could do is watch. <laughs> we could all we could do is watch and critique and be happy or sad or miserable. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wish I gave you a better answer.
No, I think I think you definitely think you have the it. toughest. You, I think you have the toughest because you know they're hurt the whole start of the season and it throws off everything. They had the weird Thursday game in there, but um, that's going to do it for this. Uh, we will have another one of these after the eighth game of the season. I think that's right at the bye week. I can't quite remember, but uh, we'll have another one then. Um, tomorrow we will have our preview episode for the Miami Dolphins game. All in the same spots, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. Danny Behan, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me at DBHan on Twitter. I am uh, doing a uh, fun podcast called Thunder and Lightning on the TSS Fantasy Sports with uh, my co-host Nikki Jis, who I came over from Rush with. Um, she, I'm also producing her other show called The Blonde Blitz every Wednesday night at 8. You're not going to see me, but I am producing that show, so... Be sure to check those two shows out. And also another podcast, my original podcast, uh, S&D Podcast. Me and my friends have been doing it for, uh, I guess, since Sandy. So uh, 11 years is actually kind of crazy. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I don't really promote it, but here's the promotion for that. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for having me. I, I know we always talk, so I, I, I'm glad we we're actually putting it onto a podcast in the format. That was a lot of fun. Me too, man. Thank you for being here. Bye.